Well, my guest on this week's Bread of Blue is Keith Southern, who has completed the full Everton journey. He's done the full circle from uh, apprentice player, I suppose you could say, in the first place, to academy coach. So let's start at the end, if you like, Keith. Just tell us about your role at the moment at the Everton Academy. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm lead under-16 under coach. Um, so, yeah, in a very, very privileged position. Um, a, a role that I'm, I'm, I'm relishing at this moment in time, Darren, yeah. You were coaching the under-18s last season, so is this a deliberate rotation process? Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been back at the academy full time for for just over four years, Darren, um, and I was very very fortunate enough to to come in full time and and assist Paul Tate and the under 18s for for three and a half years or or, or there or thereabouts. Um, so I was assisting really, Darren. Yeah, and 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 basically, um, it was it was David Unsworth and John Ebrill put put this to me um, just under a year ago and asked me would I be interested in leading my own team um, obviously um, I jumped at the chance um, I've had a, I've had a brilliant experience assisting Paul and, and, and working with some really good players um, but the next step on my journey was to lead a team and John and Dave were, were, were brilliant with me um, and they, they created a vacancy if you like um, at mm. the time uh, Phil Jevons who was under 16 coach he took my role and, and and I took his, so it was a bit of a job swap, if you like. What sort of an impact does the, a change of manager at first team level have on an academy coach? Good question. Um, I don't think it is that big a deal, if I'm being honest, Darren. Um, mm. I think we have a we have a way of, of playing throughout the academy, just like every academy in the country has. Um, and I think there's a consistency to that in, in our academy in particular. Um, we do things a certain way. Um, and I think it has to be that way, really. I think um, we know the, the volatility of first-team football, if you like. Um, managers can come and go pretty quickly. Um, but it's a little bit different in an academy. I think you have to have that, that, um, that consistency, like I say, of, the same messages all the time, um, and, and and I think we're pretty pretty good at doing that at our at our football club. Um, you know, some managers are more accommodating than others. I think to 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 academy staff. I think that would be fair to say. Um, but I, I think what we do, we try to you know, we we give principles of play. We have a curriculum that we stick to, regardless of who is manager at first team end. And we try to develop the boys for every scenario, um, you know, that may come their way, you know, in the future. So we try to prepare them as much as possible um, for different systems, different formations, different tactics. And hopefully if they're good enough and, and ultimately that's what it's all about, they have to be good enough. If they're good enough and they've had a really good grounding, I think um, that will stand them in really good stead. And, and I look. From Saturday's game, Darren, I look two of our own, John Joe Kenny and Anthony Gordon, who I work mm. with. Um, you know, the, the, there's no two better products anywhere than, than those two to showcase their their academy progression, really, and, and now fully fledging our first team. Has Anthony Gordon surprised you with the, the rate of his progress with Everson? Um no, I know how good he is. I know how good he will be. Um, I worked with him for 18 months. He's, he's an outstanding technical and tactical footballer. 
He's got all the physical attributes to make make a, a really big impression on our first team and, and on the Premier League. Um, I think he found it a little bit difficult which at the beginning, which a lot of young boys can. Um, it is a big step from, from the academy, from the 23 group up into that first team environment. And um, we have to we have to be patient with these young boys and and realize Anthony is I think he's 21 this month if memory serves serves me right Darren, so you know he, he's really young. Um, he probably felt he deserved more opportunities earlier than he got them. Um, but I think part of being a footballer is you have have to show a, a certain level of patience. And he went on loan in the championship for. Preston where he didn't have it all his own way and I think that was really good for his development because he came back hungry I think he realised you know how, how precious and precarious a young footballer's career can be and he's just gone on you know you know tenfold and, and took his game to another level and I think we're seeing a, um, a really really talented uh, outstanding young man uh, now and I think we're seeing a really top footballer and he seems really, really, you know, content at that level. I seen him on Saturday and he looked really, really at home in the Premier League. Very exciting when you think about what's still to come from Anthony Gordon. But let's 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 turn to your journey, Keith. Self-evidently, you're not a scouser, so you're not from these parts. How did you end up at Everton as a young boy? Yeah, I joined in 1997, Darren, yeah. Um, funny enough, um, my brother was already at the football club. Although he's three years younger than me, um, he, he was quite sought after. He was probably a better player than me back in those days. Um, and he, he was signed on as a, as a schoolboy. And um, I think um, they were really keen to get him into the system and into the programme. So my dad, being my dad, thought he'd, he'd get two steps ahead and, and, and he offered me, who I was currently at Leeds United at the time, to Ray Hall. Why don't you have a look at Keith? So anyway, Ray came to a game. I must have done okay. And they offered me a scholarship or a YDS back in those days. Um, and, that's how it be- and, and that's how it began. And jumped on the train at 16, Darren, and, and off I came into Liverpool. Um, bright lights, big city and all that. And um, yeah, I've been here ever since. Big move for a young boy. Was there, was there a good support mechanism in place to make sure that everything was okay off the field? It's not like it is now, Darren. You know, we have an incredible education and welfare system at the academy now. And back then, um, I don't even think it was called an academy back then. It might have been a school of excellence, if you like. Yeah. And um, there just seemed to be Ray Hall, uh, Joan Farrelly, in the office and um, you know there's one or two regular faces like Robbie the groundsman and Les I think was still here but apart from that there was really no support mechanism in place for <laughs> for a young lad leaving his hometown which was rather worrying when you look back <laughs> uh, but in a bizarre way it probably helped me really because yeah. there was nobody to really lean on there was no um, there was nobody's shoulder to cry on it was kind of um, just get on with it and, and kind of grow up and and that's what I did. And I think that's what a lot of young players did in that era, late 90s, you know. Um, and it, it hasn't done me any harm to this day, really. Who were your teammates then that we'd know, Keith, that went on to have careers? Yeah, and, and my team was Franz, Franny Jeffers, uh, Leon Osman, Tony Hibbert. You know, Evertonians will, uh, will obviously remember those three. But we had a really good group. We had um, Gary Dempsey. He went and uh, played in Scotland for Aberdeen. 
uh, and Dunfermline, played down south at Yeovil as well. Kevin McLeod went on to yeah. have a decent career. Uh, QPR bought him for a quarter of a million quid, I think. Um, Swansea and Colchester he played for. Um, so, you know, a really good age group. I mean, the year below me was Peter Clark, which incredibly still playing, not too far away from here, Tramia Rovers, um, at the age of 40. Um, and obviously the year above was the probably more famed age group because they won the Youth Cup. It was Michael Ball, Richard Dunn, Danny Karamatri, Phil Jevons, Jamie Milligan, etc. I never got in that side, Darren. It wasn't good enough. But uh, that's no shame because it was a hell of a side back absolutely, then. Um, absolutely. So yeah, it was a really good group. I think Everton were famed back then for, for probably getting some of the best players in the country. Um, so it was a really talented group of boys. You played regularly for the reserves with uh, Andy Holden, with Big Taff Keith. Did you ever feel as if you were you were close to the first team frame? Um, not really, if I'm being honest. Um, I actually scored twice for the reserves as it was back then on the day David Moyes came into the club. Um, I think it was March 2002. Yeah. That particular night we went to Bradford and I scored twice. Um, I'd just come back from a cruciate ligament injury. Me and Ozzy spent best part of a year out together, um, you know, rehabilitating. And 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 Moyes came in in the March, like I said, and I was just getting fit and I played some games. And that particular summer, um, Moyes' first summer, I went to Austria, uh, was around the first team, played in some pre-season games um, with Wayne, obviously. He was five years younger than me. Wayne was just coming into the club. Um, played at Shrewsbury's Gay Meadow, I think, that year. Um, yeah, so I was, I was around it as such, but I, I was I was 20, 21, Darren. Um, probably deep down, being honest with myself, I knew I wasn't going to play in Everton's first team, which I was fine with, you know, really. I just wanted to be a footballer, um, obviously at Everton, first and foremost, but, you know, I, I was pragmatic enough to realise that not everybody can play in the Premier League at such a young age, especially with a top club like Everton. So, um, although players around me were getting opportunities, I was content enough to, and, and realistic enough to know that I may have to go elsewhere to, to progress my career. It's an important decision to make that for a young boy, isn't it? Because a lot of young boys kid themselves on a wee bit and cling to the dream a little bit longer than they should do. Yeah, and... You need some help and you need some guidance, I think. Um, funny enough, I, th I think what helped me make that decision in my head was 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 I'd been out for, like I say, about nine or ten months, Darren, with an with a ACL injury. Um, I, I'd gone past reserve team football, if you like. I, I was 20, 21. Uh, I needed to go and play men's football. I had a year left on my contract. Um I was lucky enough that Blackpool came in for me um, and I wanted to go. It wasn't a case of wanting to leave Everton. Uh, I don't think anybody would leave Everton in a hurry because it's such a magnificent club. But I think if I'm being honest with myself now, I wasn't going to play in our first team. Um, and, that, and that was fine at the time for me. Even then, I had, I had a decent head on my shoulders. I just wanted to play football. I wanted to go and showcase what I could do, even if it was a couple of levels below what obviously the Premier League and Everton were at the time. Did you take to life at Blackpool Football Club straight away? You're obviously, you've always been a, a grounded boy. You never, ever got ahead of yourself. But taking a step down a couple of divisions, did you take to that quite smoothly? 
Yeah, like a duck to water, really. I think when you when you miss or you have a period out of the game, Darren, any football, I'll tell you, you do a lot of soul searching, you dig deep inside yourself and you review everything and what can I do better? Can I do more? And then you begin to appreciate what you've got as a footballer. Although I wasn't a I wasn't a name, I was just a, a young reserve player, but it did make me realise, you know, what I had. And what I want, want, what I wanted to protect in my career. So yeah, I went to Blackpool with Peter Clark, um, August two thousand and two. So I had a friendly face, someone who I'd known for a long time, come with me. Uh, we went on loan initially. I did three months on loan. Um, I did, I did, I did well. I, I, I felt I did, you know, pretty well, really, really well. Uh, but again, I was, I was bright enough at the time to realise doing well at League One level. At 21 years of age, I still wasn't going to be in Everton's first team. Um, and again, I was happy to admit that. So David Moyes was absolutely brilliant with me, I must admit, Darren. Um, we had a, a really honest chat. There was no agenda. It was just, you know, everything was put on the table. And we came to the decision that for my career, it would be great for me to leave and, um, and and go and progress elsewhere. And, and and he was brilliant with me. I've got nothing but good things to say about David Moyes. So that's how it began, really. Um, although I had, like I say, after the three-month period, probably nine months left on my contract, uh, Peter came back to Blackpool. I ended up staying and signing a, signing a two-and-a-half-year deal. And from that point, I never really looked back, in all honesty. When you signed that two-and-a-half-year deal at Blackpool, you just walked through Bluefield Road for the first time with your boots in your hand. If somebody would have said, Listen, Keith, you play in the Premier League for Blackpool Football Club. You probably wouldn't have believed him, would you? No, no, I would have laughed probably. Um, and that wasn't my aim. I'll be honest with you, Darren. I didn't, I didn't go with this big pipe dream in mind to. I, I want to play for England. I want to play in the Premier League. I didn't have all these, you know, these fantasies and dreams. Really, I just wanted to be a footballer. I just wanted to play in front of crowds every Saturday. Um, whether it was in League One, League Two, the Championship, or the Premier League, if I was fortunate to do so. Um, at that time, Blackpool were in League One, so it was just brilliant for me. It was an hour up the road where I'd, I'd become really settled. I had a lot of friends in Liverpool, obviously, from my time at Everton. had five brilliant years there, um, so I still lived in the area. I never moved away from, from Liverpool. Everything just seemed perfect, really. Um, the fans took to me straight away, and... Um, yeah, obviously, as you say, to play in the Premier League at the end of it was beyond my wildest dreams, really. Tell us about Ian Holloway. Yeah, completely, completely mad. Um, <laughs> can't, can't, it's like the old saying, like a woman, you can't live with them, you can't live without them. It was a bit like that with Ollie. Um, you can't play for him and you can't, you know, be without him. Um, he, he'd drive you mad. Um you know, some of the, the training methods we used to do. Um, but he was just an incredible human being with a real human touch. Um, and he was the first the first guy or coach or manager that really took, you know, an interest in my personal life, my family, um, and everything around me, not just what happened on on, on the on the field or the training pitch, you know. Um, so yeah, he, he was incredible. Um person in my life he probably inspired me to go into coaching Darren so I've got a lot to thank to be thankful to him for really um but like I say some of the you know we could be here for a couple of hours if I started talking about some of the stories that you know 
that happened daily with him. He was just an incredible man to play for. Give us one of the training sessions that took your breath away. Oh, yeah. I mean, so the, the very first day he came into the club, we, I'd only ever played 4-4-2, Darren. I, I was 29 at this point. So I remember the first meeting at Bloomfield Road he had um, in that first summer. But the first meeting, he got on the, ta- the flip chart and the tactics board. He was peeling these papers back. And he started putting all these fancy systems in place with crosses, X's and O's on this flip chart with his marker pen. And I'm thinking, this guy's mad. He never came up for A. This was literally within 10, 15 minutes of introducing himself. So he said, I play 4-3-3. So I'm thinking, oh, do you? Yeah, I've been here best part of eight years, nine years. I said, and I've never played any other system than 4-4-2. But off he went. He said, I know this works. I know it works. You do this. You rotate there. You come there. All the lads are just like shaking their head. He said, I know this works because I've done it with my chickens in the last year. I've been out of work. So if they can do it, you can do it as well. <laughs> so that kind of broke the ice. And then from then on, Darren, it was just that that first summer was just in- incredible. So have you ever been on a pre-season trip? We went to Devon, pre-season trip, and we pulled up outside of a hotel. All 20 of the lads put their bags on their shoulder got off the bus and walked into the hotel and the receptionist said, oh, no, no, only half of you are staying in this hotel. The other half of you are two miles down the road in a different hotel. We were in two different hotels on a pre-season trip. <laughs> and, and the final one, we, we trained on this pitch the next day. The pitch, honestly, it was completely slanty. It was incredible, this. It was so hard. It was embarrassing, this training pitch. We were in the championship at the time. And uh, we get off the bus to this training pitch, a school pitch it was. And there was a lad waiting by the gate of this training pitch, the school gate. And he he had a a full Arsenal kit on and he had studs about three inches long, rock hard. It was the middle of summer, July it was, pre-season. And um, we walked to this training pitch and, and this lad stood there with his shin pads in his hand with his boots on and his full Arsenal kit dripping head to toe. And we said to this lad, what are you doing? Where are you, where are you going? He went, I'm training with you. I said, no, you're not. He said, I am. He says, I was, I'm, I'm the croupier at the casino and I was up till three o'clock in the morning with your manager and he promised me a trial. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, his, his, his methods worked anyway. They got you into the Premier League, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> Um, tell us about Seamus Coleman when you first came across Seamus, because as you say, you stayed in the area, so you catched the lift, didn't he, when he, when he went on loads of Blackpool? Yeah, Seamus came. Um, it was January 2010. Um, he just he just arrived at this tin hut we had at Squires Gate, which happened to be our training ground. And um, he introduced himself to the lads and said, I'm from Everton. And then instantly we had a little bit of a connection um, so he trained and got chatting away and he said, I still live in Liverpool. I, I said, okay, I'm, I'm traveling there and back every day. I said, jump in with me if you want. So um, I was living in Kirkdale at the time, Darren, not far from um, Kirkdale, uh, Goodison Park. And I, I said to him, I've just had a, a newborn baby. I said, I'll have been up all night. I said, I'll take you in, no problem. I knew he lived in the south of the city. I said, if you can get yourself to me every morning, I'll take you in. No problem, he said. 
So every morning he used to get a taxi from Allerton or <laughs> Chilwall or wherever he was living at the time uh, to Kirkdale. Car would pull up. He was never, ever late. Really punctual, really polite. He used to come into the house. <laughs> the baby, my little baby boy at the time, he's 12 now, he was in his little bouncer chair and Seamus used to just chat away to him while I was getting ready. <laughs> and then off we'd, off we'd go to, um, to Blackpool every day and you know, the, the, he was at the time. He he, he wasn't down. He, he'd had an injury, I think. He'd had a toe injury, and he was um, he needed some games and he needed some playing time. And fortunately, he came to us. And and this lad just went from strength to strength. Um, I've never seen a a lone A at any club at any any time in my my playing career hit the ground running as as well as he did. Darren, he was he was electric. Um, his enthusiasm, his quality, his ability just shone through and we just seemed to win every single game when he played um, and it just snowballed and snowballed and then we went all the way to the playoff final and obviously won um, dare I say without the influence of Seamus I don't think we would have done that he was that good and I think at the time he was only 20, 21 himself um, you know and, and apart from his ability um, I think as a man you know he was he was so grounded, so humble, just an outstanding human being. Um, and, and I'm really proud to say that Blackpool had a, had a small part, a very small part on his journey. And I don't think he's ever forgotten that time because um, every time I see him, we always end up, you know, um, reminiscing about those, those, those good moments, you know, we had. He's the captain of his club. He's the captain of his country. 300 and odd games in the Premier League, but he's still the same boy that came over from Sligo all those years ago, isn't he, Keith? Incredible, yeah, In- incredible, and 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 you see it firsthand at other clubs, don't you? How fame and fortune can change people, you know, in the blink of an eye. But that was never ever going to happen with Seamus Coleman. His family are lovely. Comes from a really really grounded, humble home, um, you know, and, and then principles and morals that he had the first day I met them still remain now and um, we're incredibly lucky to have him as our captain, our club captain now and, you know, went to the game on Saturday, Darren, he was outstanding, you know, um, and I texted him on Saturday evening and he replied to me, um, which which was really nice because, you know, he hasn't forgotten, you know, obviously, you know, me or the times he had at Blackpool. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud to say that, you know, I, I I know him and I, and I had the opportunity to play with him because he's, he's a terrific footballer and an, an even better human being. Keith, just on a, on a personal level then, when you were diagnosed with testicular cancer and subsequently recovered from it, did that, did that change your outlook on life, on how you approached your football life and your personal life? Yeah, 100%, Darren, yeah. Um I used to be a bit of a worrier, a real, well, a real worrier. The little things um, used to keep me awake at night. I'd stress about this and that. Um, and then when you have a have a period in your life, like like I did, um, you realise the little small things aren't worth worrying about anymore. Um, I had a great a great network around myself with my wife. Holloway was great at the time. Um, the club physio and the club doctor at Blackpool were very supportive. Um, so, yeah, things, you know, are sent to try you. So they're saying you have periods in your life that you have to adapt and overcome. And, yeah, I had a period where I was out of the game for a while. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to think i come back. A, uh, I didn't come back a better footballer. 
at all. <laughs> In fact, I think I went the other way, but <laughs> I've become a more resilient individual to things outside of football. I think that's the best way of putting it. And how did the return to Everton come about? Um, well, I was coming towards the end of my career. I was, th- I was 34. I was at Fleetwood Town. I'd finished a spell on loan at Shrewsbury Town. I was already on the way to do my coaching badges. I'd spent some time being intrigued by the game, you know, not just playing the game, about how it's coached. Um, Holloway was the driving force behind that. Like I say, he he was the first one to talk tactics to me and the rest of the players at Blackpool, how the game should be played or could be played in a different way. Um, everything prior to Holloway was kind of straight lines. It was 4-4-2. There was no rotation. Um, and he was he was ahead of his time 11, 12 years ago in, in terms of the way he wanted the team to set up and play. So I'd done some coaching badges. I, I was finishing at Fleetwood. I had a knee injury at Shrewsbury on loan. I had a year left on my contract at Fleetwood. Um, and I think every footballer will will admit, you know, when they've been through that that period, they kind of know when they've had enough. They know when the body can't take anymore and they know when it's time to, to call it a day. I'd had seven knee ops. Um, so I was completely and utterly fed up with the process of rehabilitating crutches, um, blah, blah, blah. And plus, I was worried about the future of me knee in terms of being able to walk and move when, when I did eventually hang up my boots. So it was the natural progression to go into coaching. Um, I had some time out of the game because I needed an operation um, just to tidy up some meniscus in my right knee. So I had some time out of the game in terms of being a footballer and just sat at home. So all my coaching badges were well underway. And my good friend, our good friend, Darren uh, Chaddy, um, he, he was running a college programme so uh, where some boys got some football education as, as well as an as a, um, academic education. Mm. So basically I had some time on my hands um, and I thought, why not? I'll go and spend a few months with, with my mate. Um, doing a bit of football training in the sunshine and fresh air with some kids. Um, and I just got the bug from there on in, really. Um, from that moment on, I loved it. Um, and then I came into Everton part-time. Phil Jevons, who was my mate, or still is my mate, um, from when, back in the day when we were in the youth team, he got in touch with uh, the powers that be at the time at Everton and said I, would, uh, I was looking to come back in, even just to just to watch some coaching. I didn't have any real aspirations of taking a job at that point. It was just to learn and get better and, 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 and develop. So I ended up coming in part-time. I worked with the under-12s uh, part-time every Sunday. I was with them through the week for probably six, seven months. And then an opportunity came around to come in full-time and be Paul's assistant with the 18s, which which was, was was a dream come true for me, really. Um, so I jumped at that chance. And um, here I am, you know, just over four years later with my own team, you know, coaching the under-16s every day. Have you still got ambitions to to actually be a manager one day? Yeah, I, I do, yeah. I really do. Um, some of my friends are managers. Um, Ian Everett, who was in the whole... I had seven years at Blackpool with Ian Everett. We, we climbed from League One up to the Premier League together. Obviously, manager of Bolton Wanderers now. Stephen Craney, the same. Um, manager of uh, Fleetwood Town now. I went to the Premier League with him. Robert Edwards, uh, manager of Forest Green. 
top of top of League Two with Forest Green, yeah. another one of my good friends. So from that point of view, you know that that team I played in, there's three um, that are all managing at a really good level. So I have got aspirations of my own, but I, I will say I'm in I'm in absolutely no hurry. Um, I'm at a fabulous football club working for brilliant people, and I'm learning and developing every single day. Um, so there's no time scale. I'm not putting myself under any pressure, but to answer your question, yes, eventually I would like at some point to stand in the dugout and put my neck neck above the line. Um, <laughs> must be mad for saying that. Must be and mad. Yeah, and give it a go. But wherever you go, wherever it takes you, Keith, uh, Everton, a little bit of Everton will always be with you, won't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Even when I was at Blackpool for 10 years, um, I used to come off the pitch at 10 to 5 on a Saturday and the first the first result I looked for was Everton. Obviously, Leon and Tony and the team helped with that because they were my friends, my best friends. Um, so Everton was always the first result I ever looked for. I think I must say, Darren, as well, apart from being an incredible academy, and I'm really biased because I'm back there now, I think what Everton does do, it produces good people, um, not only good footballers, uh, but it produces good people. Um, and I'll, I'll forever be grateful for you know Everton instilling certain values into myself and um, that I've taken forward into my own coaching and, and home life really. <laughs> <laughs>